diligent. Sisterhood. Mentors. Family. Effervescent. Mental readiness. Empowering. Unapologetic. Fun. Fearless. Equanimity. Uplifting. Assertive. Optimistic. Badasses. Believe. Confidence. Dedication. Focus. Passionate. Inspirational. Tenacious. Hustle. Integral. Driven. Competitive. Persevere. Resilient. Determination. Strong. Undeterred. Dominant. Powerful. Talented. Unwavering. Determination. Capable. Unstoppable. Champion. Fierce. Equal. Skillful. Motivational. Encouraging. Compassionate. Legendary. Worthy. Firecrackers. Captivating. Supportive. Heroic. Special. Hello. Hello. How beautiful is that? (laughs) What a great way to start things off. I mean... Thank you for everyone who, um, you know, submitted their videos and it, I, I know Katie and um, you got some support from Carrie to, to build that out. But uh, like how I've got goosebumps, like, yeah, so like the, beautiful, the overwhelming support we had from everyone um, to submit work, like we couldn't fit all the words in. There was so many words. We had words submitted twice. We had extra words that we just for the sake of how many words were submitted we just couldn't fit them all in but um like we saw every single one of your submissions and we appreciate it for helping us get this vision to life and making it happen yeah i think just the heart of our bowling community and um the input that we got um from all genders and the little ones um that came together so nice katie yeah, so we'll definitely have to post that to our Five Pin Universe Facebook page and share it, get it out there to everybody. We all had a part in making it, so I think we can put it out there and let everybody see it. So, so beautiful. So good. So late breaking, late breaking. I, I mean, I've got a text from Newfoundland not more than an hour ago, maybe less than an hour ago. Uh, they had their open provincials today where they had their um, single um, step ladder uh, walk you through kind of what happened there but first um, wanted to kind of just mention that they've had um, some recent Hall of Fame um, inductees into uh, the Newfoundland Association so I just wanted to congratulate uh, Melissa O'Brien, Mike Maloney and Phil Foley um, as bowlers of the Newfoundland Hall of Fame so congratulations. And then the late breaking step ladder news, I've just um, taken it just down to the final, but on the men's side, actually, um, Andrew Green played Andrew Murphy in a one match, 274 to 215. And Andrew Green uh, won uh, the title there. 
And then the ladies' side was a little more interesting. There was four four matches that they played. Um, so let's just see. Erin Mori played Erica Murphy. And it looks like the first two games actually were a tie, 258 to 258. And then they played their second match, um, 237 to 237. Went into their third match, went 277 to 333. So beautiful bowling. Then advanced into their next match, and uh, the winner won by two pins, 229 to 227. And it looks like the singles champion there is Erin Mori. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 We also had Hall of Fame news out of Hamilton this week. Um, so they're doing kind of like a joint year, dual year celebration honoring uh, their 2020 recipient. So Stephanie Tuck, Andrea Strahan, Strahan. Ellen and Marcel Rosen, Ken Brighton, uh, Bill Forrester, and Mike Bentley are all from 2020 that are being inducted into the Hamilton Hall of Fame. And 2022, um, Bob Walters, Jeff Young, Martin Talbot, and Al Hardiman. So congratulations to all of you. It's amazing. Um, yeah. Yeah. Big Before, celebration. Yeah. Awesome. Before we bring in our first guest, I know like we just want to get her in. I'm excited to have her. Yeah. Um, Later in the show, our last guest could be you. Uh, so <laughs> as we're going through the show today, if you comment on our, our podcast hashtag random guests and you have a working camera and microphone, you could be joining us, pulled from the audience and ready to rock and roll with us. Um, so that'll be happening. We'll do that draw a little bit later on after we have Des on. Um, but I think that is going to be fun to just roll with it, improvise a little, see what happens. Yeah. Like <laughs> we, we prepare and prepare and rehearse and we've got like agendas built. You guys have no pages idea. of notes, questions, yeah. everything planned out. So now yeah, let's just throw caution to the wind. <laughs> it is very OCD. Who's going to talk about what, who's not, you know, like it's, it's fascinating. So that's going to be a fun segment, I think. Yeah. So make sure you comment that and we will do that draw a little bit later on in the show, but do we get right into our big one? Yeah. The I boys mean, have been... Yeah. I mean, yeah. Katie, the boys have been trying, no success. Been trying. We've been trying since, um, I guess maybe early January, we started laying, laying the seed to get this guest on. Um, and so we, we were able to have our join today. So I'm super, super excited to talk about this. There's a lot, a lot to talk about. There's a lot. Oh, so, wrong one. Wrong one. We're going to play the video again. So we're going to play the video again. Just give me yeah, a second. Yeah, I'd love to here, see guys. your comments too about what you guys think of the video. Here we go. There it is. <laughs> so, okay. I mean, I don't even know where to start, um, with this. I've played alongside her, um, but Diane Violini, I mean, this is going to go on and on and on. And it is just astounding um, what she's accomplished. So obviously legend in the game, but some would say that she is the greatest of all time uh, from a female perspective in the sport. Uh, longevity, sustainable, still playing at the highest level today. Diane was inducted to the C5 uh, Hall of Fame back in 2019. Um, last podcast, we talked about some double crown uh, club um, achievements. Diane's in the double crown club. Um, she is in the Lethbridge Hall of Fame, inducted in 1987. In 1996, she received the MBAC Award of Excellence. Um, she is a part of the top 100 excellence in sport. 
Uh, seven-time Canadian singles champion, seven times Canadian team champion, 38 national medals, six-time national all-star. When we break it down, it's just crazy because we've got more stats. Like, it's um, just endless. <laughs> yeah, 14 gold, 13 silver, 11 bronze, 60 provincial titles, 54 tournament wins here um, competing uh, to, to make a Masters, an Alberta Masters team. She's won 54 titles. And uh, part of the master, she has uh, 30, my dogs are wrestling in the back, I don't know why, <laughs> 39 consecutive years um, attending Masters Nationals for Team Alberta. So that's just a little bit of what we're going to talk about because there's so much more substance. There's so much. So, yeah. Shall we bring her in? Yes. Let's bring her in. Hi, Di. Hello, Diane. Hello. How's it going? Well, I'm taking deep breaths just like I do before I get up on the approach. <laughs> I'm not used to used to doing this. So fair. Thank well, we're so excited us. to have you. Thank you. Yeah, it's quite an honor to have you on today. Um, we'll talk a little bit um, about segments um, all the way back from when you started in in uh, YBC. So maybe Katie, I'll get you to start. Uh, talking yeah. about some of some some of those um, accomplishments yeah so you can kind of just sit back and so relax for a few minutes because it'll take us a little while to go through everything here um but so starting back in youth challenge from 1963 to 68 provincial singles champion in 68 on a mixed team champion 64 and 68 going on to achieve gold at the western canadian championships then YBC in 1966 and 68, provincial doubles champion, singles champion in 68, achieving gold at both or for both at nationals. Western Canada, so before the Open, uh, 69 to 73, mixed team gold in 1970, ladies team gold 72, singles gold in 1969 or singles silver in 1969, and then the Open. Like this is where it starts to get wild for me um 49 years of participation when it's been called the open so from 74 to 2020 and then in 22 and 23 if you can if you count in the western canada tournament before that it's been 54 consecutive years on the zone contingent provincials seven singles titles 10 times on the ladies team two times on the mixed team 12 all-stars at provincials and at nationals a singles gold in 2010 silver in 88 bronze in 86 in 2013, ladies gold in 75, three silvers, a mixed gold in 74, and six-time national all-star. We're not done, but wait, <laughs> there's more. <laughs> we are going to go through like all of the stats and then we're going to have a question period for Di because it, it, it really is um, crazy. Um, masters, um, 39 consecutive years from 1977 to 2015. You've had 45 years of participation from 1977 to 2020, COVID year, and then you participated 22, 22 to 23, current state. We talked about the 54 tournament wins. This is why it's really difficult for women in our province to get a singles title coming <laughs> right <of> Alberta. <laughs> There's a few others too, um, but singles 22 times 
So almost 50% of the times that you've participated, you have been the singles uh, champion coming out of this province, representing Alberta. Ladies team, 19 times, it's just crazy. Nationals, you've had six golds all the way from 1988 to 2013. You've had five silvers, three bronze. Think about how maybe close those five silvers were to those gold. Um, I'm sure there was a few times where it went right, right down to the wire. Um, and then um, double crown, let's talk about double crown. So that was masters, crazy. Double crown, uh, singles title, what that means is that you've won a title in the open, you've won a title in masters, participating um, as a singles competitor. Only 12 women to date have accomplished this feat. That just tells you how incredibly, um, it, it, how hard it is that you need to be at the top of your game to win both. We talked about double crown winners uh, last segment. In Masters, you've won the title again, 88, 91, 93, 98, 06, and 13, and then you won an Open title in 2010. So fiercely dominant in the Masters, and I bet you that Open title in 2010 for you was very special. Um, seven singles titles, it's the most accomplished to date by any female um, in the Double Crown segment. And then we get into like, back when bowling was on TV, TSNs uh, in 87 and 88, you were representing and CBCs in 89 and 96, you were a quarter finalist. So that's a whole other world of bowling where it's all televised. And then cash tournaments, we've got two more segments. Uh, Lethbridge Open, you won in 1978, 1982 and 1985. You played the Ogopogo Open and you won that in 1980. BC Open, you won that in 1981. And then Cranbrook Open won 1983 and 1984. And then Lifetime Membership. Member of the Alberta Masters Association Lifetime Member from 1996. And the Lethbridge Five Pin Association and the Alberta, within the Alberta Five Pin in 2000. It's a lot. <laughs> There's a Di, lot when you, there. When you look back, it, it's, a long, it's a long time. Uh, it's a huge commitment. Di, when you, when you just sit back and you digest this, and I know you've kept really good um, track record of all your achievements, but like, what do, you, what do you think of all of that? I don't know. <laughs> you know, when you sit down and you put it all together, you go, oh, wow, <laughs> you know. Um, it's been pretty amazing. It's been a pretty um, neat ride, I guess, have to say. It's almost like sometimes it's like when you say your grandmother, you know, she's, you know, horse and buggy and you're into the cars, you know. It's like with me, I started, you know, when it was free fall, you had to pick the corner, left corner, you know. Um, just so much in the game has changed. We didn't have personal balls till the 90s. And, you know, wooden pins back when, wooden lanes, you know, it, you start to look back and you say, yeah, I've really seen the changes over the, over the years and changes in competition and all that kind of stuff. So it, it's been a, it's been exciting. Like, and I'm somebody that loves history and loves, you know, keeping track of, everybody and and stuff but uh it's it's been good it's been very very good to me 
when you talk about some of those changes that have happened over the years, is there anything that you would like to have not changed or like still we do? Well, I'm not a fan of moving in the pins and having them on their cheater bases. I, not that, you know, I just, yeah. I like to see the skill. I mean, we, we have a lot of bowlers that have skill, but a lot of times when you make the game, whether you call it easier or not, I, I don't know, but you need to be throwing a good ball. Like I like bowling on lanes that are honest to every type of ball. But if you're not throwing, like releasing well or throwing it well, you know, you shouldn't be scoring hugely, you know. And I, I, I like the honesty of, of links that you have to, you have to be mentally there for it. You have to prepare for it. You have to have the technical finish and stuff. And in long, long tournaments like we do in the open and things like that. You don't have it the entire time you know you have to work at your game to do it and i just you know that yeah. part i guess um i don't mind match play i i remember you know because i started with everything was scratch it was total pinfall no matter like back why well ybc we did kind of different things there but the youth challenge and stuff um but when we switched to match play that was a big change for for me and i remember i can't remember when it was but i remember being so excited when i finally hit the 50 percent that you know of matches won, you know so but it's yeah. been kind of, it's interesting to follow all the different changes in it. yeah die when you think about the longevity you've been super sustainable in the game but like what keeps you motivated and what what keeps you so engaged still to this day? I love competing. I, you know, I think when you start out young, it's just kind of, you're there and it happens. You've got good coaches, you've got whatever. But then as you get into it a little bit more, you, you know, to be a competitive athlete, which I think we are and stuff, you have to work on it and that. So I've really, got so that I really, really enjoy the competition. Um, but also with the competitors, I like to see good games come up against me as well. And, and that, and definitely the people. I mean, you make great friends or just the peers that you have. It's, it's wonderful to go into those and see those people and that, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess just over the years, I've just, I really, really enjoy the, the competitiveness. In and the game yeah. still, we've talked about in the past, um, some of our past segments about how when you get a little bit older, it's a little bit harder. And so what are some of the things, Di, that, you know, you're working on that might be a little bit more challenging because of age in the sport? It is, and I, you know, and that's one thing that I'm not doing as much as I should have busy life. Um, but I mean, I'm not really into heavy exercise or anything like that, but certainly, you know, the the walking and the riding, the stationary bike and things just to keep the, the legs and that. Um, rest has been a big thing for me. It always has been. I've always needed rest, but I, to be mentally sharp, 
I think we all do, but I really need to be rested so that I can dig down when you need to or, or keep the focus and things like that. So I think it's for me, it's the, it's more of the, um, it's the mental right now is to um, make sure that you're doing the little things that you've learned over the years to keep yourself in the game mentally. Yeah. So when you think about how your game has kind of evolved over time, and we always talk like when we think about that mental side of the game, like that pre-shot routine, the superstitions that we do, has that changed for you over the years? Do you do things now that you still did back when you were starting out your competitive bowling career that like have never changed over the last few years? Um, I don't know. I think one thing is I've always, and I, I think for the most part, there's been times where I've faltered, is attitude. It's very important to me to um you know not lose my temper i i think you're doing it not just for yourself and what and the other people that are around you but you're doing it for your sport so i've always been that way um and i think i get that from my dad who he was a you know one of the top bowlers but also an excellent coach but he was just always even kill keel you know and but i think that you know it's important to me to present myself well and I think in turn that helps me to bowl better you know to try to keep stable that way so that has probably stayed constant um, throughout throughout the whole time I mean I admire your discipline there's lots I admire about you Di things that you've taught me over the years but discipline comes to mind um, tenacious um, never really seemed to get off the rails. And so that, you know, has not been easy for a lot of players, male or female, right? Because it's easy to get get off the rails, lose the concentration. But, you know, if there was a teachable moment right now around discipline and how you try and trigger your mental, your mental game, like what are some of the things that you, you, you do as part of that practice? Um, basically, I have little things that go through my head, just little phrases, mantras that I just try to um, almost subconsciously sometime, if you want to say it that way, you know, but just to try to keep me settled, deep breathing um, and stuff, but just try to not let too much outside focus or interruptions come in. And yet sometimes you need them. You know, it's funny, like no tournament is exactly the same. Um, but there's times where it just happens. You're just on a roll and you're not even thinking about it. And it, you know, it just goes. Other times, right. for whatever reasons, you got to be focused and you just have to block things out. Um, and whether it's blocking noise, it's blocking someone that's, Kind of misbehaving if you want to put it that way you know or something uh but it's a learned thing like it it took a lot of i like i kind of said before when you first start out as in youth and that you're just there and you're just doing and you're you know you're always trying and stuff but then as you progress and you have more competitions and you're seeing your competitors and then all of a sudden you know 
the realization of sets in of how you have to work on it or the you know the the different things so it's a it's a learned thing and for me uh, at the time because I went through so many different things in different eras the masters is what what changed for me because it wasn't like a huge number of people there there was a lot of competitors but you had time that you could stand back on your own and try to find something that worked for you and I think that was my starting point of saying, okay, you've got to get mentally in this. And as you're starting to compete more back in my time, you know, starting to compete against the men and, you know, you've, you've got to find your, your concentration and your focus and, and definitely other, you know, mentors that you had as well that, that helped, but it was, yeah, just kind of, trying to get in a zone, if that's the common word that you use, but I think you have to find your own. Um, you, you can talk to people and you can observe and you can do whatever and pick up and try things and find right. what works for you. And for the most part, you know, it's there. You know. I mean, yeah. I've been lucky enough, anybody's been lucky enough to be on a team with Di, there's a couple things that I've seen over the years. One is um, Diane who stands in the back with her eyes closed and um, you know that she's working through uh, some things and typically in those moments, Di, you, you come off the lanes your, your very best. Um, it's fascinating. If you play on a team with Di, you know when she's gonna, when she's going strong and it's, it's been fun to watch and be yeah. a part of. So in thinking about like who's been on teams with you, is there anybody in Alberta yet that like over the years, just with how circumstances worked out that you've never played on a team with that you were like, that's the one I've always wanted to play with or someone moving forward that you're like, I still want to play on a team with that player. I don't know. I've been so lucky with, with a lot of people, you know, yeah. that I have, um, you know, just over, you know, you're thinking back on the years. That's what another thing, like, I love the Open, I love the Masters, but what I really liked about the Masters was all of a sudden you're bowling on a team with people that you've been competing against. And then you get to know them because then you're socializing with them. You might even be rooming with them and that. And I just, that was a treat. And I've made lifelong friends with, with, you know, with that. And so then you have the opportunity because in the open, you're just always bowling with your own zone. But all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden I'm bowling with, you know, Bev Gigluck, who, you know, and, you know, and Tracy and, you know, you know, different people. And now as, as I'm becoming generational almost, you know, then I'm, I'm able to bowl with some of the younger ones that are, you know, coming up in the, coming up in the game and stuff. So that's, that's neat. You know? Yeah. So. I mean, you have a lot of favorite moments, memories. I'm going to throw out two questions to first one is, and it's probably hard to say favorite bowling moment, but was there a favorite bowling moment? And the second one is off the lanes, which I've been part of 
some antics um, over the, the decades, but was there <laughs> a favorite moment off the lanes? And I'm, I, I think I might know what you might say, but so it's a two-part question. Uh, um, yeah, I've had a lot of pretty incredible moments. I think for me, one of the things is I've been so fortunate to have a, fam a family of bowlers. And, and of course, Mike is my husband now with the coaching and so, but, um, you know, with dad and that, but back in, so one of them back in YBC times when I won the uh, singles, the senior girls singles, my sister won the Bantam girls singles. Oh. And that was just, and actually her first shift, she beat all the seniors, boys and girls and everything on the shift. Um, so that was pretty incredible to, you know, to win that together. Um, the first year of the open nationals, our team made it. Um, and I bowled with my dad and we won the Canadians on that. So when you've got those family connections and uh, and that, and what was neat about that year, I've got to just say it, I just think sometimes the probability, but so there was, there was um, father-daughter, there was husband-wife, Jack Smead was coaching and Jeanette was bowling, um, sister and brother, Ken and Linda Malkinson. You see, you have those. And then we threw in Roy Cunningham and uh, Ken King, you know, but um, it's, it's just kind of nice when you look back and you can bowl that. Another highlight, because I was thinking the first year in 1975 when our ladies team won the gold, that was the first year of medals. It was always trophies. And Lindell Breckel at the time, very, very good friend. She was from Medicine Hat and incredible bowler. Um, and we got these gold medals and both her and I would come back and we sit at the table and the sensation was, I don't think I can keep my head up. This is so heavy, you know, and really relatively it wasn't, but I think it was just the, it was just so powerful to have this gold medal around your neck, you know, and we both kind of looked at, said the same thing. So that was pretty, pretty awesome. And, uh, and I guess the other one, I have to say that darn, uh, open singles Canadian just kept you know I just yeah. couldn't get there couldn't get there and okay. <laughs> first year um 1980 but then sitting there and I still remember Mike and I are sitting on the couch and it's you know like a week before we're going to leave and I just said I had just turned 60 and I said maybe I have to be 60 to win this <laughs> so <laughs> maybe that was it well I had to hold out I had to keep but but that was pretty cool you know favorite story yeah. off the lanes stories off the lanes yeah you guys make me do things and I'm as <laughs> I'm not a real rambunctious I'm kind of in the back I enjoy hanging out and enjoying all the fun that's going along and and benefiting that way but uh yeah when you girls made me dress up as a zombie <laughs> masters national <laughs> and we were a hit because a lot of the times the 
you know, tournament masters don't really get into it like the others, but uh, I know we were a hit with Walter. He thought that was, that was pretty darn cool. But, oh my goodness, the, the makeup and the hair frizzy and everything, that, that, was, that was pretty cool. That was not yeah. the story I thought you were going to say, but that was a very fun moment. I thought maybe the Bruce Mortar story in Saskatoon, the Spider-Man story. Oh, the Spider-Man stuff. Oh, I, I have a lot of stories, but people podcast. think that I'm, you know, a little bit. You're not. And there's there's been some others. You don't know about the... Uh, <laughs> What in the world year was it? It was in Calgary Masters. Must have been in the early 80s. And uh, Bruce and um, Tom Alford. And we were out. Um, Cheryl Kitchen, probably a lot of people don't remember her. She was on the team. Mm -hmm. And we were up in our rooms and we could see all the hookers out on the street. So Cheryl <laughs> and I... Cheryl and I went down, and, and then Bruce and Tom came out uh, <laughs> pretending that. And Sherry Lessig. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Sherry and I did that, and Cheryl Kitchen drove her truck and stopped, and it looked like we were going to get in. And they were freaking up, out up on top watching us. They, so we have a great picture of Bruce with the money spread out and Tom all. <laughs> That was kind of uh, yeah, kind of so, out of character for me, but it was a lot of fun. fun. <laughs> you know? So, if there's one person over the years that you would get in trouble with at a bowling tournament, who is it? Was well, probably Bruce. And yeah, probably I'll make Bruce. <laughs> straight Fair. is that Bruce and Jerry Anderson and myself were the very first ones to decorate a elevator, and that was in Vancouver Masters. So just so you know. That I, well, maybe it wasn't the Masters. It might have been Open that year. I, oh, it was the Open. So Open Nationals. So we were the ones. Other people are taking credit, but we were the ones. So, <laughs> I love that you guys are the trailblazers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Bruce got a lot of people into trouble. Yeah, fair. <laughs> and still does. And still does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, die just just because of your tenure and experience we've got like a lot of new players um that are you know coming up every year and just the depth of talent coming out of ybc right now but what advice would you you give some of those you know newly starting um <clears throat> female players in particular coming coming into masters or the open um it's kind of not uh, well, kind of a tough one, I guess. I think it's um, well, attitude is big. Um, I think a lot of my success is because I I have people that you know want me to do well just because of how I portray, portray our sport. So you know, I would say that also um, commitment. Uh, commitment to yourself, but also to your teammates, um, because they're the ones that are going to help you along as well. Um, and and don't give up. Like so many people, they just expect, expect instant gratification. You know, 
but you have to work on it. Sometimes it comes easy. Um, listen to your coaches. Um, there's, there's a lot of really good coaches out there. Um, and other, you know, other mentors that you respect. Uh, you have, it's, it's constant learning. Um, I remember a comment that Roy Cunningham made. Um, he was a good friend of dad's and then became a very good friend of mine and we competed together and traveled together. But he said, every tournament I go to, I learn something. And I always looked up to him because he was older, but still, you know, in his 50s, late 50s, he was always like there, like, you know, cash tournaments. He was, he might not be winning, but he was always in the, the top group and he was always there. And, you know, that's kind of how I look at myself too. If I can show other people that you can still keep doing this as you're older, but you have to have the commitment, like I say, to the game, to yourself, um, you know, um, to do it. I mean, it's, it's a phenomenal game. I think, you know, just even Katie, how young you are to travel across Canada and, you know, yeah. see the country and, and meet people and lifelong friends. And, uh, you know, it's, it's incredible. It's so, incredible. but you have to work at it. Doesn't. And I think also even a lot of us that have had really, really good success, We've had some real downtimes as well, you know. Um, you're not going to be at the top of your game constantly, you know, with that. But, yeah, just keep learning. And, uh, and it, you know, it takes a while. It comes, yeah. It's a great game. So, yeah. So in thinking about all the things that you've accomplished over the years, what's next? Is there things you still want to accomplish? Things we'll still see you at WCBT events, maybe. I don't know. I I do miss the cat. Like I I just got you know busy at work, busy at different things, right. um, and you know I just kind of got out of going to cash tournaments. I probably won't you know be going back into them, but I I really enjoyed those, and you know there was like that KG Open that they used to have in Saskatoon, and that was absolutely incredible um, and there's a lot of really good ones and and that's what I would encourage young people to do too is get out there with the adults and and you know bowl in your in a league with the adults as you're a junior or senior you know um, bowl in these in these tournaments because you're gonna you know that's the way you learn and, and get over a little bit of the nervousness. It's good to be nervous um, throughout as, as well, but you've got to have that real um, scope of, of interaction and experience and that, and then be observant when you, you know, watch somebody and especially people you admire and what are they doing and how are they <coughs> behaving? What are they doing on and off the lanes? And, and right. that, you know. So yeah. I don't know. For me, I just I just like going. I, I, you know, if I do well, like the last last year at the Masters was just phenomenal. We just had a team that 
everybody took their turn at bowling exceptional. Other ones, <laughs> we took our turn at not bowling that well. Uh, we just, we bowled so well as a team, like when somebody was not doing, like, I think everybody's had things like this, but it was just, uh, and a lot of us hadn't bowled together all that much either, you know, right. but it was just, we just found the rhythm with all of us and it, it was good. So those are the kind of things I think that'll keep me going to hopefully, you know, continue to, to bowl and even in, you know, the open provincials, you know, it's great to see the young ones up and coming. It's good to see the ones that have been there for a long time. It's just good to see good bowling. You know? Yeah. So. We want to thank you for for just the the path that you've paved for us. I'm yeah. gonna get emotional. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tracy and I go way back. She was a young teenager when she used to follow her mom and dad at the it's, Masters. It's stuff, true. You know. But if, uh, if you've been a part of of just being on a team with Di, um, I learned tons from almost every player I've been on a team with. But I just want you to know that you are a pioneer for us, for us females in the game. Um, obviously, I'm 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 talking with a lot of heart here. You've stood behind, you know, me and my family. This is what this bowling community is all about. It's about standing beside each other during the really good times that we celebrate in life, right? The really difficult times, the challenges that we have in, in life. We celebrate, you know, babies, weddings, uh, unfortunately funerals, right? Like everything in life, this bowling community celebrates together. together. Uh, it's a big community. It's a national community. Um, you know, I just want to, you know, express the empowerment. I feel like you've given, um, particularly the Alberta women, um, it's important. You've showed us how to be tenacious. You've showed us how to be fierce. You've showed us how to be confident. I could keep going and going. I didn't have those things naturally. Those, those were things where I had mentors. You were a mentor to me. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Yeah. A lot of good memories, a lot of good friends. And like you say, you get kind of choked when the ones that leave us, you know, but then you look back and you think, oh my goodness, like just so incredible. Like, and I mean, I'll just, you never know where it's going to lead. I mean, Tom Stevenson and I, we made the mixed team in 82. And both of us just barely made it. And from that year on, just fast friends, like just a best friend. He was somebody I phoned while I was bowling at the CBC, you know, and uh, just incredible. Doug Mosdell, just ones like that. Like sure. you just make people that just are in your heart. And, uh, you know, and that's why, you know, so lucky when you get to go to nationals and see these people that you might All not have seen for years and what they mean to you and and now you see their kids or even whatever oh true it's <laughs> incredible Goodies coming yeah, through Trace. the ranks right we yeah yeah. Uh, yeah it's it's just a phenomenal game to participate in and and enjoy and do and yeah it's been really really good to me and i'm 
very thankful. Yeah. I'll let you end, well, this, end this segment, Katie. <laughs> yeah, like the I, end path of this group, everybody knows it. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and join us and just share all of your insight and memories from over the years. And um, I know your journey is not done of your wins and you're just going to continue to be that force on the lanes. We saw it at the last master's event. So I know it's, it's not done yet and I can't wait to see what's next and hopefully play with you at some point too. Some way. Yeah. We'll see some way. (laughs) Yeah. I qualify, but (laughs) I mean, if you can get your Wi-Fi and click on the stream yard link, you can win another, you can win another master's. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. We'll see you later. Okay. Wow. That was, yeah. Yeah. Like so good to have her on the show. Yeah. Um, We are going to pivot a little bit. We are just waiting for our next guest. So we're going to kind of do our end of the show at the beginning of the show and or the middle of the show. And then we'll end with um, our random guest. So if you have not entered our draw yet to be pulled from the audience, hashtag random guest, uh, Make sure you get it in there because um, we would love to have you on and talk. Len Anseth, that means you comment it out. Um, so we can when go we into get a little Ryan bit. O'Callaghan biting for random yeah. guests. Come on, you know you want to come yeah. on and talk to us. Like, <laughs> let's go, guys. Um, okay, so we can kind of go into a few other things that have happened recently. Regina, yeah. yeah. Do you want me to walk through that or yeah, start if you want to through start it? that and then Regina recap. You only enter once. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you manage that in the back end and just let me know when you want to jump in because um, I know you've got some stuff working in the background. Um, number of women. So we obviously we love doing these, you know, WCBT recaps. Regina was a few weeks ago. We had 27 uh, female players. We had 49 shifts thrown, uh, seven different provinces. BC, we had four from BC, six from Alberta, nine from Saskatchewan, four from Manitoba, one from Ontario, one from Quebec, and two from Newfoundland. So amazing. That was the most mix of provinces we've had at any of the WCBT events this year. Oh, I didn't know that. The most, That's a good the most provinces represented, yeah. Um highlight obviously Josie Brooks I think it was her first shift just crushed it and then sat back the whole whole weekend waiting um, to play she qualified 30 35th 271 316 250 270 276 340 278 and then finished with a 239 to be 2240 averaging 280 so uh, that's awesome Uh, Josie way to go yeah, and then she ended up playing. So she did the play-in round where she beat Scott Clausen, uh, 769 to 630. So that got her into the top 32s um, when she played in that. The A side, she played Brad Moens first, who has been on a tear at WCBT events this year. Ended up losing to him, 798 to 714. And then on the B side, she ended up playing Nelson Frank. And uh, that one was a little bit close too, 694 to 620 that um, she lost. But amazing job. Um, those cuts are always hard to make. Regina cut especially is incredibly challenging to make. So that's fantastic. Yeah. I just want to keep seeing, uh, 
more out of Josie, obviously. She's just accomplished so much in a short period of time. She should be super proud. Um, but again, the, the amount of players that we had in the beautiful bowling we had from female players, just want to call out uh, Jen Baker uh, shot a 350, Alyssa Campbell had a 354, and then Jen Baker threw another 363. And there were 33 games for females in the Regina um, Classic that were over 300. So just beautiful. Yeah. And like when we think about the amazing bowling that happened all around, like there was like 12 or something 400s thrown throughout yeah. the weekend by everybody. Like it was outrageous how many good games were thrown out there. We had 10 ladies average over 255 in a qualifying shift. I was going to do like usually we do over 250 and yeah. the list was like, 18 people long. I'm like, that's just too many to list off. But Josie had uh, 280, Jen Baker 271, Alyssa 271, Jesse Bailey from BC was at 266, Kelsey Wilton from here in Alberta 264, Crystal Hibner had two shifts over 255, 263 and 258, Natalie Trudell 259, Jen Clark 258, and Kathy McBee 256. Great bowling, ladies. Like, Incredible. Great bowling. Um, just an honorable mention, Alyssa Campbell, she threw four 300s in her qualifying shift. She shot a 312, 308, 318, and a 354. Not like, bad. Not bad. No, <laughs> I take that like pretty yeah. much any day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then like when you think even the men, we had five men qualify over 300 average, which like I just sit there, I'm like, I would love that just once, just yes. once I'd like to do that. Um, but yeah, Kyle Young, Brad Moens, Carrie Kreitz, Glenn Anseth, and Jeff Hibner all were over 300 to qualify. It's crazy when you got to just like settle for like a 260 to 270 average and not make a cut. Right? Yeah. It's wild. And then perfect game. Perfect game. This is our second WCBT event this year that had a perfect game thrown. Ryan Richard, game three of qualifying. 450. Beautiful. Yeah. Some All good right. bowling in Regina. Amazing bowling in Regina. Um, should we do our draw now? And that yeah. gives us time to find them while we get Des on. She can give us her, yeah. all of her stuff. You ready? Yeah. I don't think there's that many people entered. So if you Ever entered... Nervous Your chances are good. On? They must be. We don't have that many questions, guys. We don't bite. Okay, let me see here if I can figure this out. A Chrome tab, giveaway tool, random guest. Can you see it, Tracy? I cannot. Okay, let me see here. View my tab on StreamYard. Let's put it in the stream. There we go. Random guest. Creative idea. Kathy, we are oh, going to be getting that link to you. Oh, I can't wait. All right. I'm going to pull this out. I'm going to work on getting that link, and we're going to bring Des in here to give us a little bit of her coaching segment. Oh. Hello. Hi, ladies. Hi, Des. We pulled that off, no problem, hey? Perfect. <laughs> Des is running Thank a little you. bit late, so uh, behind the scenes we were just pivoting a little bit, which is okay, and we made it work out. 
Yeah, no, that was perfect. I normally done at 6.30 and then I got off the exit at 7. I was like, no, yeah, I'll be home by like 7.30. And then I was like, oh, 7.30. And anyways, so that was great. <laughs> well, we're happy you're here again. And I'm super excited to uh, um, just hear what, what's next in the world of Des and coaching and advice for us. Sure. So with that, I guess we can like get right in. So I just kind of like recap, we've kind of been talking um, we left very, very first week about understanding the phase that we're in and how to set goals according to those phases. And then last week we talked or last month, we talked about performance anxiety and kind of the imposter syndrome stuff, which leads into today, I want to talk about impulse control and how to reset. So if you guys want to think of a time back in your bowling, maybe where you felt like you were feeling overwhelmed, you went to the bathroom, maybe you had a cry, maybe you punched something in the bathroom, and then you came back out and you thought, oh, I feel like I can breathe a little bit. And you felt like you were a little less on edge. You know, I think we can all kind of relate to something in a personal life or in the bowling that that has happened to us and you feel better after that release and so part of that today that we're talking about is that like nervous system reset and impulse control and when it gets overloaded we lose some of that impulse control and the tools and uh, things that we can do to help that reset i'm just going to pause you for two seconds kathy if you just want to check your facebook messenger you should have a message from me even though you might have to go hunting for it and then that will help you get onto the stream yard Sorry, continue. No, all good. So then if you guys want to think about uh, maybe a time that you had a really big run and you maybe you stepped up on the lane and you thought, okay, everything is good. And then, you thought, no, no, something feels weird and you have to step up and you have to reset, right? I feel like that's happened to all of us at one point or another. And so the question is like, why, why did that happen, right? It might be that your brain was way ahead of where your body was. You weren't quite sure, just something felt off. And that off is your body telling you that it's not in it's good rhythm or it's sync where it needs to be. And so it's trying to tell you that I, I need a moment. And so you can listen to that or you cannot. And when you don't, that's where we've lost the impulse control. You throw that shot and you go, oh, I wish I could have that back. I just needed one more second to kind of like reset. Um, and so part of that is understanding what level your body needs to operate to be in that like peak performance. So we talk about peak performance. It can be a prime energy number. It can be when you feel like things are just in motion. You feel like you're in the zone. Things just happen very easily. So I don't know, Katie, do you have a number in mind kind of between like one and 10 of what you think you kind of like operate at? I have your number because I've coached you and worked with you. Long yeah, enough. I was going to say, I mean, I feel like my number fluctuates a lot in a match. Like, I feel like I go from like a five to like, I'm up at like a nine. Like when I'm coming off the lane, I'm coming off hot. Right. What about you, yeah. Tracy? I can be as low, I think, as three. Okay. And I can be as high as probably a nine okay so I, what's really interesting and I love that you both said is like you can be at one number and then you can be at another number and what I wanted to get at is where do you feel with all of those things combined so not when you're coming off of the lane not when you're stepping on the lane like okay you have a lot of adrenaline you've got a big match I feel like I'm at an eight because I'm fired up and I'm ready to go and when you come off the lane, maybe you feel like at a 10 because you threw the shot that you needed to and you're so excited and that's a release but when you're actually up on the lane and you're getting ready to throw that shot, do you feel like you're at a 10 or a three or is it somewhere kind of like in the middle? I would say more like a seven maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. when I'm strong and nothing phases you, I'm probably like just eight, super confident, stable. Yeah. yeah. And so that's kind of, that's the number for me when you guys think about it and for anyone that else watching, that's the number that you want to be at. That's where you're comfortable, where you feel 
very like in the zone. So for Katie, for example, right, as a coach, part of our jobs is to help you guys manage that up and down. And if you need to be at an eight, then when I'm up on the lane with you, I'm talking, we're laughing, we're joking, we're doing whatever we need to do to keep you at an eight. You get on the lane, you throw that ball, and everything just just works, right? Or maybe right. you've been struggling a little bit, so you're down, you're feeling like you're only at like a three or a four, and so it someone needs to bring you up. Or you know, your team is behind you, they're cheering, they're really excited, we've got a huge match going and you get on the lane and you feel like you're shaking or you're a little anxious about that shot and you just, you have too much energy in your body, then again, that's, okay, you're at a 10 right now and people, we say jokingly, right? Like, you're up here and I'm going to need you to be down here. But actually, that that's what we need you to do when we're throwing big games. And the other thing I kind of want to like touch on with that is it has nothing to do with the ability to be fired up or focused or driven. All of those things can still happen, but we're talking about in your actual shot, what are you feeling? Because you cannot be feeling at a 10 if you normally operate at a 7 and expect that you're going to get the same result because your body just has too much, too much energy, too much nerves, too much anxiety, like whatever it is, it's just there's there's an overload on your nervous system there. And whenever you overload that nervous system, your body is not going to physically do what you're asking it to do. Something is going to happen. And that's where we make errors in pressure situations like that. Right. So when you say like you want to make sure that you're not up there, like I know even at qualifying and stuff, things aren't going well. You're punching head pains. You're starting. You can feel that frustration boiling up. And like a lot of times we try to just like squash it down and be like, I just have to power through this. Is it more worthwhile to take that two minutes, go let it out in the bathroom or something and then come back? Or should we wait to the end of the game? Like, is there, do we give ourselves like a, you have a two minute time limit to go, let it go and then come back? Like, where do we draw the line of how long do we release that kind of thing? Yeah. So like really a nervous system reset is like 30 seconds. That's all you need is 30 seconds. So you can't be doing it every frame. Obviously there gets to be a point where, yeah, you are just going to have to grind it out. And, and there's some like mental fortitude stuff that comes in for that. But if you can feel yourself, okay, I've thrown three shots that I'm not happy with. Something feels off. I'm just, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit not like myself. Take your shoes off, go for a walk, go to the bathroom, take just a 30 second reset to get out of where you're in and then come back ready to go. And that's all it takes. But it also takes training to do that. So when you first start it, your 30 seconds may not do anything. But if you continually work on that 30 seconds, you go for a little loop around, you come back, you go talk to a friend, you go talk to a family member, you know, you go up, you have a little sip of water, just something that gets you out of that zone that you're in, because what's happening is your body is holding on to all of that tension. And then you're going to step up on the lane. And all of those things that you're feeling are noise in the background and it's talking to you and you're not allowing your body to do what it needs to do and operate at that kind of that number that we've decided. Right. So it could be negative thoughts pulling you down to like a three. And that's all you're thinking about. It could be that, you know, you were on six in a row or seven in a row and it's a an important tournament and so you're thinking about the end result of like okay I could get to you know 400 this game if I just throw the next couple or whatever it is right so we need to right. be able to yes have all those things and use them to fire you up before you step on the lane but once you step on the lane your body needs to be in that like that zone and then after right. you can have the celebratory that's the release but yeah I guess kind of to get back to your question it's 30 seconds but you have to practice those 30 seconds and it has to be consistent. So as soon as you start to feel that you're getting up there, you need to be like, okay, whoa, I need to go for a little walk or I need to take a second and come back and then try and push through those next couple of frames again and see what you can do. Right. Yeah. I think it'll be good for me to have you there. Cause I know sometimes I like to try to push myself too far before I take that 30 seconds. 
And then by that point, 30 seconds almost doesn't feel like enough anymore. Cause now I'm like, I'm up here. I'm mad. I'm frustrated. I'm yeah. just here. All of the things, like... all of the big emotions and yeah. y- you can't reset in that time frame, Right. So it's, exactly. it's really about managing that and understanding your body and your game and your impulse control. And when you start to feel like you're getting outside of that, like in the zone, that perfect moment that you need to do something to, to prevent it from escalating. So I always say like, you know, things snowball really quickly. So you throw one head pin. Okay, fine. No big deal. Go up, you throw a double. Okay, great. You're starting to feel good. Now you throw two head pins in a row. And all of a sudden, your two head pins, all you're focusing on is the three head pins of the first five frames that you threw. And then that snowballs. Now I'm sitting at an 87 and and, and this and I'm that. And it just, it gets out of control. And so part of the, the mental side of it is that we have to put a blocker up and say, okay, enough. It is what it is at this point, right? Go for a walk, collect yourself, and what are we going to do to try and fix it for the next five frames? And how do we turn this around so that if it's a 10-game qualifier or it's a 20-game or whatever it is that you're bowling, that doesn't snowball into six games? Because six out of 10 games feeling like that, it's going to be too late. Too late. Right? Yeah. yeah. For sure. We've so all experienced sense. that, right? Yeah. And, and sometimes it just nothing nothing works that day, that, yeah. that, and, that day right? So. Yeah. And that can be, it can happen like that too, right? And I think um, just understanding that when we're talking about it, like I'm talking about a, a number that you operate at, it not to be confused with, I'm not saying like, oh, don't be fired up or don't be this. Yes, you have to be all of those things and you need to feel those feelings and you've got to get pumped up, but you also need to be able to let your body control. do what it's it's going to do and you have to be able to control it at the right moment, right? If you've ever been, you know, going up on the, the lane for an attempt at a perfect game maybe or if you've been on a really big run or a shot, you know, a, a two-pin that's standing there staring you in the face for a championship that you're like, oh my gosh, I have to get this two-pin. I, I hit it, we win, I, I miss it, we lose, right? That That's a lot of pressure on you and your body knows how to get that. You've trained it, you've practiced it, we've talked about all that, right? So we know that that, the foundational training is there, but in that moment, your mental training is maybe not at the same level. And is that going to take over? And are you going to lose impulse control or are you going to be able to control that to let your body do its job? Right. Yeah. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. So like, let's just say does like the reset and the 30 second, let's just 30 second moments. It's just not working. Um, do you just keep reinforcing the 30 seconds and the reset mindset and then just hope that, you know, you're, you're going to get some, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like it's going to happen or you just kind of got to be patient. Yeah, you definitely have to be patient. And that's, I guess, another thing to touch on. It's like when I'm talking about a 30 second reset, I'm talking about like in your body, your nervous system is being reset. Mm. So some of that edge is being taken off. That doesn't mean in 30 seconds, your game is going to turn around and you're going to come back and you're going to throw three in a row. Those are not at the same, right? We're talking like oranges to apples Mm. at that point. So we're talking about right now in your body, like, yes, you need that 30 seconds to kind of take the edge off, get some of that extra energy out and then come back. So you can actually focus on what do I need to do technically to correct my game where it's at, or maybe after the end of the game. So in a game, 30 seconds, right? That's all it takes for that. But then at the end of the game, you say, you know what, I tried it, just it didn't work. So that's when, you know, you take your shoes off, maybe you go outside, you try and just, you take a little bit longer, and then you come back and and you grind through it. So it's a, a mix of resetting in the moment so that things don't snowball, but also taking that bigger kind of time away, a breath of fresh air in between games that you can come back and focus on things. Right. That makes sense. And I guess this is really good to like think about too, even in 
the bigger picture of like from day to day, right? Where your number might be operating at a certain level and mm-hmm. things aren't going your way. But like, especially with like the open coming up, we still have two more days of competition left. How do we reset that feeling and that number for the next day? Yeah. So that and it's that's not a um, carryover. Yeah, that's actually something. So we talk about that um, in some of the other sports that I'm with. We talk about it's it's burnout. So if you normally operate at, you know, a six, let's say, in like peak performance, but now you're up late, you're not sleeping well, there's a lot of adrenaline going on, and you feel like you're operating at a 10, how are you going to maintain operating at a 10 for three days when you generally are at a six? Like it's, it's just fatigue. And again, that's kind of like as we enter more tournaments and we become aware of this, we can really try and manage that. And as a coach, that's something that I try and manage, right? So I don't like when my bowlers sit, but I know when we get to a certain point, I might say like, you know what? Okay, let's just, let's sit down for a second. We'll just like take a moment. And that's me trying to reset the team to be like, okay, everyone's like really up here or everyone's really down. And we just need to take a moment as a group to kind of just ground ourselves and get our energy back where it needs to be and then go from there. And I guess also like in coaching on the side of it, um, when I work with other coaches for like any type of mentoring, like it's something that I talk about is that you have to understand your athletes and it's your job to be there for them to be whatever that support it is. So especially in the adults, like, you know, your technical errors, you know what you're doing. I don't need to tell you most of the time. I might remind you, but I don't need to correct you, right? We might tweak things, but it's different. And so really it's just managing in a team or a group of five or six how exactly we are going to keep you at a six if you need to be at a six or a seven and how i'm going to keep you know someone else at a four because as a team you guys are in a completely different area right like you got a team that's at eight someone's at ten someone's at three someone's at one and like i've had bowlers where someone is like honestly a two like just calm, collected, not phased by anything, just kind of like rolls. And then you've got another teammate that's like at a 10, they come off the lane yelling all the time, right? And and so I have to be able to manage all of those things to say, you know what, I need you just go for a walk, go get a sip of water, right? Go to the bathroom, do whatever you do. And that's me again, trying to force you into that reset to be like, you're up here and I need you down here. And like, I say it jokingly, but like, that's honestly what I'm doing is, is I'm managing all that. And so as coaches, as parents, as spectators, like we go through those highs and lows. And for me in the coach role, I go through it a lot because I'm at a 10 with you. And then I'm at an eight with the next person. Then I got to go back to a four and then I got to go back to a nine. Like it's a lot of energy to expend. But I think in my coaching, that's something that I've become really strong at doing. And that's kind of given me an edge with, with the bowlers that I've worked with. Meeting them where they're at. Yeah. And being able to help them manage that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And I guess just like, I want, I'll give you kind of one other example with that is if you ever think about, and we all know someone, a bowler across Canada who is really noisy all the time. Right. And so you look at the scoreboard and you're like, Oh, what the, you know, they're at whatever it is that they're at. And you don't understand why they're being so noisy for what they're bowling. Right. But for them, that's where they operate best. So they are trying to create that energy to find that eight or nine or whatever it is they need to be because that's where they're comfortable. And you don't have to be at the same, you know, outward expression if you're at an eight either. You might be at an eight, but you might be talking to yourself when you step on the lane, you're getting yourself fired up and you feel like an eight, but it's not your eight is not Tracy's eight is not my eight is not, you know, somebody else's. And so we just have to like kind of figure out what that is and what that looks like for you and then communicating that with um, your coaches as well so that we can try and help you, especially if you have a background in it or you want to learn more about it, then 
you just you just have to pay attention and talk to your bowlers and it'll all come together amazing well i can't wait to have you put this in practice in a couple of weeks at the open with us yeah we're uh, yeah. we're gonna work on it <laughs> we're gonna work on it it's gonna be good yeah. and then i'll just sharing it all yeah for sure and if you guys want i can just give you kind of a couple of quick little things mm-hmm. um so just energy wise, like we talked about. So some of them that I said earlier that we know it can be like going for a walk, taking off your shoes, going outside. But the other thing is it's a physical expenditure. So if that doesn't work, like go to the bathroom and dance around to a song or do a couple of jumping jacks. Like my skater, sometimes they get off and like they're doing pushups in the hallways. They're doing sit-ups because they need something physical to take kind of that, the burn off and they need to use up that energy. Cause that's all it is, is extra energy. And if you don't use it, it will take over. So you have to figure out what it is that works for you to use it up. So another really good one is I always say, like, if you guys want to do it, you like squeeze your vest and tighten up everything in your body as tight as you can for like 10, 20 seconds and then try and just release. And that also kind of takes some of that tension off to, to use up that energy that you might be feeling. And those are my, awesome. my kind of few examples for that. Yeah. Good, good timing. A couple big events still happening for people, right? Like, yeah, and just, just good to talk things. about the reset to something that we really haven't talked about. No, and it's kind of the last thing, right? Like we kind of, for me, it was leading up into these events that we know we had big events coming. It was something I wanted to talk about, but I also wanted to understand like how we get to that because it's, it's not as simple as that. And like I said, it's also not a magic cure. Like you're not going to do this like nervous system reset and then come back and necessarily have all these like magical improvements in your, your physical game. If you're, you're punching or you're going too fast or, you know, all those, the errors that we know we make, this is inside your body and training that. Coaching by Des, thank you once again for joining us and giving us <laughs> You're welcome. just amazing coaching advice. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Des. Yeah, we'll see, you. see you next time, Des. Thanks. Bye. Amazing. All right. And we are ready. Our random guest from the audience is in and waiting. Should we bring her right in? Yeah. All right. Hello. How are you? Good. And you? I'm great. That's amazing. Thanks for watching our show and commenting. Always. Always. Every week, right? Like you you watch the boys every week as well, don't you? Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to say before we go any further. So I have admired Diane since I was young. Um, She probably handed me my first loss in an Open or a Masters, but truly truly one of the legends of our game and a total class act i couldn't imagine um having the opportunity to play on a team with her um i've had the opportunity to play against her um but i could only imagine what it's like to be part of a team with her so i'm so excited that she was actually part of the ladies podcast and didn't give the to the guys <laughs> it took some work but we got her and yeah. we were happy right. to have her for sure right, right we're happy to have you yeah also a legend in the game oh she froze did we lose her she's paused come back come back Let's see if she can fix it Uh-oh. oh there we go maybe can you hear us i think i lost them Nope, I think we got you back. You remove and bring you back in. This is what happens when you do random. When you do random guest. things. Can you Sorry. hear? Sorry. 
I can hear go. you now. Sorry, I don't oh, know what amazing. happened. We can hear you too. Amazing. Sorry. Well, That's first okay. of all, Kathy, how like how are you doing? How are you feeling and how are you doing? I'm good. Um, I, I'll be honest. I'm so grateful for uh, virtual um, watching stuff on live stream and things. Um, last weekend, Josh went home to Sudbury to play in the Buddha Invitational. And thanks to live stream, I was able to watch him make right to the finals. So um being able to watch and see what's going on, even though you're not able to be there is pretty awesome. So between the WCBT or W, yeah. Yeah, WCBT. Sorry. And (laughs) uh, all these people that are just doing live stream off Facebook Live is pretty awesome to be able to watch all these different events. So it's 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 pretty good. Yeah. Looking forward to open to see everyone's qualifyings and stuff. So, summer finish, quite the finish in Newfoundland today for the ladies. That's incredible. I couldn't imagine. Pretty fun. No, I mean, I'm glad glad it wasn't us like competing, but like good for them. That's pretty fun, right? Yeah. Right. Four (laughs) games in a final. Yeah. It's That's wild. crazy. <laughs> so, Kathy, when's the last time you, like, are you playing league or um, still playing so, at all? So, yeah, I am playing. Um, unfortunately, just because of work, um, I'm, we do respite with a young girl who has cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. So my weekends are dedicated every other weekend to her. Um, so when open qualifying came around, I wasn't able to play because it's two separate weekends here. So um, I threw my name in for coaching. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I love coaching. I love bowling, period. So um, so I was chosen to coach the men's team at York Simcoe, which thankfully um, I get to coach my son, Josh, um, Jason is coaching the ladies team out of York Simcoe and Dan's playing on the seniors team. So it's going to be a whole family affair that weekend. So it'll be fun. It'll be so fun. Right. So So yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, Now, did I just see a a posting from you where a bunch of you ladies went and watched a movie? Were you part of that group? Yeah. (laughs) I did see that, right? Yes. So during March break, our leagues get canceled because of open bowling. So a bunch of the ladies um, from our mixed league went out and enjoyed uh, an evening of Magic Mike. At the I was going to say, was it there. Magic Mike? <laughs> yeah. So That's awesome. So, but here's a fun here's the fun part about that. So the one lady in our group that play is in her late seventies. And our youngest is 21. So at one point, I think during the movie, our older lady had to pull out her puffer because she was hyperventilating, I think, a little bit with what she was seeing on the screen. Oh, my goodness. I love that. It was a good time. I think there was like eight or nine of us that went out and just had popcorn and pop. and, And ironically, all of us, you know, love bowling, but we also enjoyed being social together too. So it was, I think that's such a good thing about like the bowling, like even Mm -hmm. Diane was talking about the people you meet and how it just becomes a family and you just start doing things outside of bowling with people. And that 
They're your group. For sure. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I believe that. I love that <laughs> yeah, she had to take it was out a lot of <laughs> I can't get over that. I love it. That's so awesome. maybe final question. Thanks for coming on randomly. That's pretty brave and we we're happy that yeah. it was you, but future podcast idea for the ladies podcast? Um, well, I'll be honest. Um, I know that Yvette McClellan was just named out of Northern Ontario to the C5 Hall of Fame. And she has a huge um, resume out of Northern Ontario. So I think, personally, I think Yvette would be a great podcast person um, to have on. Um, I know Barb has been dodging it a little bit. So mm -hmm. even Barb Hamilton, Barb Mc mm -hmm. formerly Barb McLaughlin, I think I'm going to just call her out because, you know, she's one of my best friends. She should be on here for sure. I know the guys were trying to get her. Um, but I think uh, part of the ladies podcast, yeah, that would be amazing too. Put in a good word for us. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've, I try. Every Tuesday at bowling, I try. She keeps counting down the weeks to how many's left, right? This yeah. season. We might have to so. gang up on her, get right? Jennifer Smith involved and a bunch of others. Right. To, yeah, to, yeah to, I agree. Those are two great suggestions, so thank you. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. Thank you so much for watching every week and for being part of the conversation. And it was so nice having you on. Thanks. Thanks to be here and, and good luck. I think the ladies segment is awesome. I think the Diamond Ladies tour that you have coming up uh, in June is fabulous. I'll be honest, I would love to make a trip out. Um, unfortunately, in education, I'm not allowed to take holidays in June, but I get it. You yeah. know, it, it, it is a fabulous idea. And it, as soon as I retire, I'll at least make You'll the trip that. out to if anything. Amazing. Yeah, we'd love That's that. Awesome. Yeah. I think it's I think it's amazing. And I and I wish you nothing but the best of luck with that as well. Thank love you. you Thank you for coming. Okay, on. we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Okay. Bye. 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 All right. We are almost at the end here. Yeah, I guess um I'll end maybe with a little ladies diamond classic. Yeah, if you want to do um, that and then I just have one more thing and then we'll be good yeah. to go. Yeah, um, so we're just gonna do a quick recap, just an update from uh, a Stacy. Um, it looks like we're they're gonna launch the storefront um, online for merchandise for the Diamond Ladies Classic. Um, it's launching April first to thirtieth, so thirty days where you can go in and and uh, buy some product. And right now, it looks like there'll be a hoodie, a tank, and a towel all managed through Daryl Bradley and BPG uh, merch group. So thank you, DB. Um, so far, 83 individual um, entries. The doubles um, is full. Uh, still accepting um, any kind of emails or shifts as you guys are kind of thinking about coming out for June and then just thinking um, the title sponsor body things. The sponsor so far has hit about 7,500 which is amazing um so yeah i mean i mean total prize worth i think is still twenty thousand to date so yeah. we're still working through some things and stacy stacy's done a beautiful beautiful job so she get has, your merch yeah. get your merch and come out in june yeah um and then one other thing has happened this last month since we had our last podcast 
I know you hate talking about yourself. Oh yes, um, no. Let's just close the show with the video. Nope. We have a we have actually a different video. I have oh, reached out no. to a few of your people, including your fantastic daughter who helped me and she stashed some Kleenex there. But if anybody doesn't know, Tracy um, was announced that she's been inducted to the Canadian Hall of Fame. And uh, so we just made like a little, we'd, I'm not going to make you talk about it because I know you hate talking about yourself, but just a little celebratory congratulations from a people that love you and think it's an amazing accomplishment. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank you. It's such an incredible accomplishment. We love you. It's so well deserved. And uh, we can't wait to celebrate with you when you officially are inducted and get to accept it all and take it all in. <laughs> oh, thank you, Katie. I mean, I, I am super blessed. Um, grateful to be doing this with you this has been super uplifting i hope everybody is loving what we're doing on the ladies edition podcast i can't imagine um not doing anything else it's a it's a great way to give uh back um i love my bowling community i love my bowling family um i, I truly do feel blessed yeah thank you yeah Sorry to make okay. you cry again. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, too, seeing a picture of my dad and, yeah. you know, just all of those memories. And there's there's way more depth to that. But there is. Yeah. Anyways, I, I appreciate that. You didn't need to do that. Oh, my goodness. It deserves yeah. to be celebrated. Um, Thank you, Katie. You're welcome. Okay, um, enough tears. Yeah, enough tears. Next week, yes. Five Pin Universe podcast crew live fantasy <laughs> baseball draft. <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Um, we're drafting teams. We're joining the boys and we're, we're, we're drafting we're, teams. We're clueless. And we're, uh, t tune in. I'm going to spend a week with Curtis. 
He's going to teach me as much as possible about baseball as possible. We're going to learn everything. I learned that there's like 180 games in the season. Can't wait for that. That's going to be great. We're going to. I mean, seeing all the banter by the boys today, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I am way out of my league here. Oh, we're going to crush it. So that's next week. <laughs> and uh, next ladies podcast, April 19th. More big yeah. things coming. Yeah, it's amazing. Thank you for tuning in, everyone. We love you. Um, looking forward to podcast number seven. See you guys. Okay, bye.